It is it the is gift, gift of, God, of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well done. So we see that God takes us, we're God's creation. Human beings, male, female, we're made in God's image, which is a really good thing. And as Mark so well explained last week, that even though we're God's creation, that's good. We're all marred. We're all corrupted. We're tainted. We're warped, whatever term you want to use, by sin and by a real enemy named Satan. And it's really, it's a tragic story throughout history, and we live in the consequences of it today, that we forget God sometimes. We ignore God. We rebel against God. Even though sometimes we think we're doing well, apart from God, we're missing the whole point of our existence. And as we were just singing this morning, and as the scripture says, God who is merciful, merciful God, Ben shared that scripture from Titus, God saves us, God intervenes, God rescues us in Jesus Christ. And being a follower of Jesus, it's a couple of things, one of it is we're born by God's spirit. It's like we were singing, we're dead, and it's like the alarm clock goes, up, goes off and we wake up to the realization of Jesus, and we realize, who does that? That's God's Spirit working in us. God wakens us up. And what's our response? Our response is, by faith, we put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's our part. And God saves us, and God starts a new work in us. We're a new creation in Christ, the Bible says. And as God begins to work in us, we begin to desire the things of God that probably we didn't desire before. Why? Because we've been united with Jesus, and Jesus is alive. And this is the most incredible supernatural thing. When we're united with Jesus, we receive His life. Hallelujah. So it's not just sort of believing something new, although belief is involved. It's not just kind of knowing something, although knowledge is involved. There's a supernatural thing that happens, whether you maybe feel it, and some people feel it, and some people don't, but there's a supernatural connection that we are now united with Jesus Christ, who's living, seated in heavenly realms, who's defeated sin and death and Satan, who's alive, and we get plugged in to Jesus, and His life now begins to reside and live and move and act in us. So it's something supernatural. 
And it's something more than just sort of a New Year's plan or a new start on life or a new lease on life. We're connected to Jesus. And as we've been seeing, and we've used different illustrations, so one of the illustrations I've been using is that when we become connected, united to Jesus, our lives, which are a bit like this Play-Doh, kind of a mess sometimes. It's got potential, but you know, what, does, what have we been learning? What does Jesus, what's our goal? Our goal, and Mark used this scripture from Isaiah last week, is that God begins to mold and shape and form us into the image of Christ. That's what God do, does. So one of the illustrations in the Bible is, God's the potter, we're the clay, He's the great artist, and He makes something beautiful out of us. And He gets all the credit and all the glory. That's one way we do it. Now, Mark brought a whole other thing in last week, and I'm going to bring up my tools here, which were my dad's tools because this is the full confession time. Mark talked about him last week not being a great uh, worker with wood. Well, I can almost guarantee I'm even worse. And here's full confession. You know what's even more embarrassing? My dad was a carpenter. <laughs> my dad was a woodworking teacher for 35 years and a carpenter and built houses and everything. And guess what? The gene skipped me. <laughs> I'm clueless, like terrible. But I do have some of his tools. And what Mark was talking about last week is this, another illustration, and this is the one from Ephesians that Paul talks about. Paul says this, we're God's workmanship, we're God's handiwork, and guess what God does? This is going to look like medieval torture device for some people. This is my planer. It does bring back nightmares for you. I've never used it, but I, anyways, I actually have, but anyways. But you can say, oh, what? guess what? If you're the wood, guess what? And the shavings come out. Oh, that's painful. That's got to hurt. And what does God do out of his love? He begins to, what does he do? He begins to take off some rough edges. And Mark said sandpaper. I'm going right for the, <laughs> skip the sandpaper. We've got to start with this first. And God uses all kinds of different tools, and we've been looking at what does God use. And sometimes I've got a hammer in here. Oh, my soul, I've got all kinds of things. I've got my mallet and all kinds of things you don't even want. We'll just go right to the sandpaper, okay? <clears throat> what does God do? God uses his word. God uses the Holy Spirit. God uses, most of all probably, God uses us. And it's painful, and it's hard. Because guess what? We tick each other off. We annoy one another. We offend one another. Sometimes on purpose, sometimes we don't even know. We make mistakes. And God's going all the time. You're my handiwork. You're my workmanship. And I'm planing off some rough edges. Guess what? If you ever planed and you're going along, what, and you hit a knot, what happens? Like, you're in trouble, right? You get you're, oh, oh, stuck. I got a knot. Oh, man, I got so many knots in me. And even when we think, oh, man, we've had some breakthroughs, like we got some big knots out of the way, what does God do? He begins to refine. And he uses us primarily. And folks, there's no way around it. It hurts. It's painful. It takes a long time guess what? It's always going on. And most of us, if we're honest, it's easier just not to be involved in the process. 
So full disclosure, in one sense, it's easier just to sit, th- just sit out of being a Christian and sit out being part of his church. It will be, in some ways, easier, full disclosure. But that's not what you're created for. That's not what you're made for. That's not God's plan or purpose. There are eternal things at stake. And this morning, I just want to hone in on a couple of things. And this process that, of becoming God's handiwork, it's this, it's you and I individually, but it's us collectively that God's creating handiwork. And the two are, you can't separate the two. So, Celeste, the work God's doing in you individually affects all of us. And guess what? All of us affect you. And I can say that for every person here. Trevor, the, God, the work God's doing in you is personal. It's affecting you. But guess what? It affects us. And hopefully, everything that we're doing, or sometimes that we're not doing, affects you. The two are, you can't separate them. What God's doing in you, and He's creating and crafting and molding and shaping you, affects us, and how God's shaping and molding and affecting us corporately is affecting you personally. And we said, and we've been using this definition from Robert Mulholland, the process, the spiritual formation is this, the process of being formed in the image of Christ so that you can feel great and look great. No, the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. So God's molding and shaping, forming us to be like Jesus for his glory and for the sake of others. And folks, the best thing you can do in life is to allow Jesus to make you more like him. That's the best gift you can give to others. So if you're saying, what, what's the best use of my life to bless other people? You become more like Jesus, that's the greatest gift you can give to anyone around you. And it's a work in progress, and God starts it, and God's faithful to complete it, and it includes God's timings and God's ways and God's glory and our cooperation. And that's what we're just talking about membership even this morning as followers of Jesus from Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. There's so many different scriptures we can use. We're members of Christ's body, worldwide and local. And membership here is just an agreement as a local church family to serve and contribute. And we're just recognizing that how I am and how I'm growing or not growing affects other people and how we as a church affects us individually. They're interconnected. So our church this morning, I just want to walk us through. Who are we? So how would you answer that question? So last week, I had the joy of leading at the wedding of our nephew in uh, Nova Scotia. That's why we weren't here last Sunday. And I met lots of people for the first time. And it was a bit obvious since I was leading the wedding that, um, you know, being a pastor. So here's all the questions. But you might get some of these questions too. So here are the questions are. So what church are you at? And I said, well, we're at Christ Central in Fredericton. And, what, you know, so saying what's it called. So number one question on the board. So what denomination is it? And I'm like, here we go every time. Because I start with, well, we're Christian. We follow Jesus. That never satisfies anybody. <laughs> so you try to work through and you understand where people are at and you're kind of say, oh, well, we're Protestant and, but yeah, but who are you? Are you Catholic? Are you Anglican? Are you Baptist? Wesley, non-denominational. And 
You're working out and say, well, we're Christ Central, we're part of Christ Central family of churches, part of the new, wider New Frontiers family. There's not many in Canada, but there's thousands around the world. And then I begin to explain. So what I want to do today is I just want to take a few minutes. And I just want to explain our family. And hopefully this will help you. If you get asked, what type of church are you part of? You can say, hey, we're part of Christ Central part of the New Frontiers family. What does that mean? Well, let me just give you a brief history. So back in the late 60s in England, there was a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in the traditional churches, Anglican Baptist, many others, and many were saved by God, filled with His Holy Spirit, lives were changed, and you know what? It didn't really fit in traditional church because people were on fire for God, and so they gathered in small groups, and there were called house churches, and there was a big hunger for God and community, and leaders began to, in different towns and cities, find each other and say, look, I've got this group meeting in my house. I don't know what to do with them. We're growing, and we can't even fit in our house anymore. What do we do? That was kind of it, and a guy named Terry Virgo, who maybe you've heard of, and Terry's been here with us uh, back in 2014 and 2019, and Terry began to, as a pastor, put foundations in his local church of New Testament life about Jesus being the center, salvation, Holy Spirit, the grace of God, spiritual gifts, generosity, importance of the local church, leaders, structure, justice, yet open to the Holy Spirit. And other leaders began to watch and observe and say, Terry, can you help us? And that's what Terry began to do. And for many years, guess what their denomination was called? Terry and Friends. <laughs> Isn't that a great name? I just love that. And that's what Terry called it. He was very, I don't want to call it a denomination, it's just, and so it was Terry and friends. You can tell that would go over well, wouldn't it? And then they begin to experience growth, and university students who were from other countries were part of these churches, would go back to their country, replicate, and God was adding churches, and you can only say it's Terry and friends for so long. And so they had to name it. And folks, denomination, all we're saying is we're naming something to give it some definition. So what do we do with our $5 bill, $10, 12 We're denominating. We're giving it. We're defining it. That's a $5 bill. It's a $10 bill. It's a 20 you, So denomination, just bringing some clarity to something. And they gave themselves the name Coastlands because they were on the south coast of England, which was great for maybe one day. <laughs> but then there's nations involved, and they began to realize, don't, we can't call ourselves Coastlands because it doesn't, it's bigger than we think. And so a prophetic word came through many years ago through um, one of the Johns, and because there's so many of them, and in that prophetic word, it talked about how God was leading them as a group of churches into no well-worn paths and into new frontiers of what God wanted to do. So out of that prophetic word from John Groves came the named New Frontiers, which began to just put a name to Terry and friends working together. And now 50 years later, there's thousands of churches all around the world. And then in 2008, Terry was getting older, and we were part of this. The question began as we were gathering um, as a family of churches, who's going to replace Terry? Because you kind of realize, you know, as years go on, Terry's kind of our father in the faith. And the question, who's going to replace Terry? Which is great. We're all asking it. And we're all kind of like, I wonder if who's going to replace Terry. And, and to be honest, and this is what was really shocking, probably the guy we thought would replace Terry, a guy named Simon Pettit from South Africa, who we thought probably, you know, betting's the end thing right now. But we're not going to bet. But 
if we were, we're just saying, I bet you Simon's going to replace Terry. And in 2005, as we were starting to think some of those things, Simon, shockingly, died of a heart attack. And we were all, like, devastated. And it was kind of that grieving for Simon and his family. But to be honest, if we were honest, we were saying, oh, the guy we thought was going to replace Terry isn't here anymore. Now what are we, you know, now what's going to happen? And through a whole series of things and different God leading, the leadership team came to this conclusion, you can't replace a father. Actually, and plus things had grown so much, you can't really, you know, and it was, no, fathers have children. Fathers release sons and daughters to continue the work. And so that's what was done. Instead of replacing Terry, we recognized 30, 40 sons, and they were released to replicate and to continue under this banner of new frontiers, but to start new initiatives. So one of them, a guy named Jeremy Simpkins, and Jeremy and Ann have been here many times, was one of those sons, and they were given permission and blessing to give themselves new names and new spheres under the family banner of New Frontiers. So Jeremy Simpkins, they're, for him and Anne, they start with Christ Central Churches, and there's others in New Frontiers, all kinds of, you might hear sometimes, oh, we're part of Commission, Catalyst, Regions Beyond, I think we even have, a, is that what you guys are part of, Carl and Jane, visiting from England? Regions Beyond? So many all under the banner of New Frontiers. And now 14 years later from that, there's even more sons and daughters released and there's more nations involved. It's honestly, it's hard to keep track. So that's big picture. Where do we fit into that? Our local church, mid-90s, many of us were in traditional churches. There was a move of God's Spirit in Toronto. Many of us were filled with the Holy Spirit. We realized we didn't quite fit anymore and we met in homes and small groups. Does that sound familiar? Just took 30 years kind of from to catch in Canada, and we got a hold of some of the teaching from Terry Virgo, and for those under the age of 35, you'll have to Google what VHS tapes are and VCRs, and we had Terry warbly on VHS um, speaking, and we were like, oh my soul, what Terry was saying, that was what was in our hearts, but he knew what he was doing, and he began, like, he honored the Word of God, open to the Holy Spirit, foundations in local church, experienced as a father, and, okay, I'm overstating it. It wasn't quite Princess Leah to Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. It wasn't quite that dramatic, but it was kind of like that. <laughs> we sent a message to England saying, Terry, can you help us? And God was kind in providing, I'm going to say, spiritual parents to us over the next 25 years. And we didn't get Terry coming, but we had another couple, Dave and Rosie, Fellingham, who were part of Terry's team, and 1997 came, and that began a relationship over the next number of years. And 20 years ago, so March to May of 2002, Dave and Rosie moved here to Fredericton. We rented them a home, and they lived here with us for three months to really help get us established and sort of on our way and to get some things sorted out. And over the next 10 or 15 years from that, another couple, Don and Stephanie Smith, God provided for many years, and Don and Stephanie spent many times here, and at one point they lived here with us for three months, and sadly, Stephanie passed away um, a few years ago, and Don, 81, listens to us. Hi, Don. I'm going to give a shout out to Don, because he listens to our message every week, and then he critiques me every time I'm on the phone. 
with him. He still does. So Don, take it easy on me, but it, that's a true story. And then from 09 on, we've had Jeremy and Ann Simpkins who have been with us, and then part of Jeremy's team, people like Ginny and others as they work in team. And Jeremy was here last in 2019. Dave Feldy was here in January 2020, just before all the different COVID things. So the last couple of years, it had to be Zoom and lots of online things. And then we've celebrated um, the end of August, the last couple of years, we've had a whole Sunday just called Devoted, where it's our Christ Central family of churches gathering together. And as Mark shared last week, he and Debbie are just in two weeks' time going to one of our leaders' meetings of Christ Central in England. And then here in Canada, we're early days of Canada New Frontiers. In 2005, there were just two churches, New Frontiers churches. There was us and a church in Ontario. Now, we have four spheres working across Canada, and which I'll explain here in a moment. And so, just out of some of what um, gifting and seniority and friendship, uh, I kind of help lead and facilitate a monthly leader Zoom prayer with all those different leaders from across Canada, and then we're following up one-on-one -on, -one on WhatsApp and different things. So we have our friends Reese and Sarah Scott, who lead Trinity Central Church in Vancouver, who we were a part of helping to plant back in 2010. That first time Dave and Rosie came in 1997, so that's 25 years ago, Reese was being mentored by Dave, and Reese came, who was originally from South Africa, um, that very first trip to Canada, and God actually planted something in his heart in that like two-week visit in 1997 from South Africa living in England that someday he'd be in Canada. And in 2010, we were able to partner with Reese and Sarah, and they've got a thriving church in Vancouver, Trinity Central, and another couple, James and Liesel, who were here with us for four years when James was at UMB at law school, who were knitted in here, fantastic. God helped them on the early days to be ground level of helping to plant that church, and James is one of the elders now. So it's great to see all these different connections. And then we have Tidal Church in Vancouver, a new church plant, John and Kate Payne, who were with us for a month back in 2018. If you remember, John spoke with us, and they lived with us for a month as they were here exploring what God was calling them to in Canada and seeking direction, so we were a part of that. There's a small group in Cochrane, just um, north of Calgary in Alberta. I was there back a few years ago, um, and Ben and Tiffany, one of our couples who were here during university, got jobs in Cochrane and are part of that church. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. There's people connected every. Where? And then in Ontario, we have churches in Listowel, where Gary and I have been there and spoken. Peterborough, Colin, who's here today somewhere around the pole, I think, is uh, from Peterborough, and that connection sent him our way. And so, Colin, it's been great this last year to have you a part of our church family. In Niagara Falls, in Toronto, Alliston, where we've been in those different churches and speaking, and Rich Crosby, originally from Fredericton's in Ottawa, and another church in Ajax, Ontario, all connecting and then here in Atlantic Canada, us in Fredericton, and then Mark Seifert, our crew in Wolfville, our small group and church plant, and re sort of replant in Charlottetown, and our small group in St. John's, Newfoundland, and we're believing God humbly for more church plants and be involved in different things over the next couple of, or well, decades. So there's 14 churches and church plants here in Canada, and folks, whether you know it or not, and I'm trying to say you, you should know, you have a part in all of those. Because, folks, these are all small churches, and it can be lonely, it can be isolating. Canada's huge.
but we're praying for all these people. We're connected, and through us as leaders, we're helping to input and support and encourage and pray, and we're looking at gathering all of those leaders from across Canada. We're looking this autumn together, hopefully in Montreal, for our first sort of in-person gathering, just to be together to pray and to help support one another. On the wider scene with New Frontiers, they gather different leaders every year called Global, and this year it's in Northern Cyprus in October, and within New Frontiers, there's different task teams that are asked to gather together from different churches around the world to help work on different things that we maybe are struggling with or need to uh, work on. And one of those task teams is um, called how to, or tasked with this, how do we as spheres, these sons, daughters working together, how can we better work together within New Frontiers? And so I have the honor and privilege to be part of that task team because that's kind of what I'm doing here in Canada. As I said, we have four spheres working together. So we just had our first meeting on Zoom. And just to make sure it doesn't sound too glamorous, our first meeting last week was at 4.45 a.m. in the morning on Zoom. Because <laughs> um, we have seven countries working together. We've got Zimbabwe. Passionate will be glad to hear. We've got Zim, Ukraine, India, USA, Kenya, England, and Canada working together. So to try to figure out time zones. So I took one for the team, and we did it at 4.45 a.m. And we've, we're working on some different things. We're building a paper and some different things, and we're going to present that in person in 2023. So, let me just try to bring some of that into application. So folks, can I just say, we are part of something bigger. We're not alone. Sometimes it feels like we're alone because there's not many churches here in Atlantic Canada or Canada, and it can be isolating, and let alone with COVID. Folks, we're part of something bigger that we believe God's put us in. We're God's handiwork. We're his craftsmanship. We don't believe we orchestrated that. We believe God knit us and is molding us and shaping us together. I'm not trying to push something today. I'm just saying, I think we've been saying that's what God has us in. And as you know, we love Wesleyans, Baptists, different churches, and we work together here in Fredericton. We honor those churches. So it's a privilege but there's a cost to it as well. A lot of these things take time and finances, and folks, we're pioneering. We are new frontiers here in Atlantic Canada, in Canada, and beyond. And so can I just say to our kids, to our youth, part of our church family, okay, you are part of something that God's doing, that you have an important part to play, both now and over the next couple of years and decades. In over 25 years, we as a local church Probably the number one thing that's come through over 25 plus years in a prophetic sense and what we feel God's leading is this, is that we're to be an Antioch church. And we've spoken on this before, Acts 11 in the New Testament, Acts 13, we see some of the characteristics of the church that was in Antioch. They were first called Christians in Antioch, and we see this, they found the grace of God there. There were different gifts and different people and different cultures and different teams of people coming together that were gifted. The nations were there. It was fluid. People were coming. People were going. People being received and sent out. People being sent out and received. There was a resourcing church of people and money and resource. It was a model. It was a hub of sending and receiving. And this week, Gary and I had the privilege to meet um, 
a couple who were part of New Frontiers in California and out in BC who we'd never met before. They just happened to be on the East Coast. We met just for like an hour and a half. Never met them before. But God just was uniting our hearts together. And at the end of our meeting together, and he knew nothing. He said this, I just want to share a few things with you. And guess what one of the things was that he spoke? I just see you as an Antioch base. And this is the picture he had. He said, I see you, I have a picture of a power cord. And he says, as a church, God's going to be plugging people and churches and church plants and other churches. God's going to be connecting people in. And of course, we're connected to Jesus. And we need the power of Jesus in order for us to fulfill the things that God has said. But he said, you're going to be, I just see a power cord and God's going to be plugging people in and resources and churches. God's connecting people together. It was such an encouraging word that goes along with so much that we've heard over the years. And our history of 25 plus years is this. And this is what I think, this is who we are. God brought a couple like James and Liesl. James and Liesl were with us for four years. James is from Vancouver. Liesl is from South Africa. They met in Taiwan. I know. And they came to Fredericton. James got into law school. They'd never been to Fredericton before. They were here the first week of September. They were walking by our building on 487 Brunswick Street, and they just felt God say, go there. And they came the first Sunday, and God knit them in. And in four years, they were involved in life group and serving and everything. And James, they kind of felt maybe someday they'll go back to Vancouver. And when Reese and Sarah and we were planting in Vancouver, we just said to James, would you consider being a part of that church plant in Vancouver since you're looking at maybe going back there anyways? And it all worked out. They went back and they've been such a key part and it was such a great thing from day one that we had a couple that we knew and loved that were there from the beginning. That's what God does. We have people from the, our church who've been here for different seasons, sometimes five weeks, five months, five years. Like, we've got military families, we've got universities, college students, sometimes not here for very long. But while we're here, we're saying, Lord, may they go out a better disciple, more equipped, more mature, more loving, more equipped, that wherever they go, God's going to use them better than when they came here in all the right sense. And so we've got people in Ontario, we've got people in Charlottetown, we have people in Japan, Malaysia, Southeast Asia, Oman, in Burundi, I counted over 25 countries that we have people who've been part of us who are now serving around the world, and we know there's more coming. Just in the last few weeks, here's how it's gone. Georgia was here for like 10 months, and you just think, 10 months, well, 10 months, I might just come and why even bother get plugged in? But Georgia came, didn't know anyone in our church, didn't, like, no one. But Georgia, bless her, 21, plugged in, life group, even through COVID, everything, here every Sunday, women of the word, invested, involved, building relationships, and God sending her out to be trained in the Philippines to be a midwife, and just 10 months, you think, what can that, God knit her in, and we're sending her out. Joel McLeod was here, UMB, lots of different connections, serving with our youth, off to Ontario. Colin's here this year from Peterborough, teacher involved in our life group. We're going to see Celeste, 
Ah, Celeste, wonderful. Been here many years and got a teaching job in Ontario. She's going to be heading out, and there's so many more I could talk about. And I'll be honest, like Celeste is saying to us and others, you know, can you pray for us? We're seeking God's wisdom. And I'm just like, everything within me is just like, stay here, stay here, stay here, stay here, stay here. And actually, I kind of say that usually biased. I'm going to pray for you, and I know God will, your will be done, but I'm going to be biased and selfish. I'm praying that God, because, folk, it hurts. And as a leader sometimes, in this, um, in pride, you just want to build a big church. And if everyone just stayed, we would look better. <laughs> I know it's terrible. It is. But it creeps, it creeps in. And it's like, that's not, God will determine our size, that's not. But we're in Antioch, receiving people, sending people. Could be five weeks, five months, five years. But that's what God's calling us to be. Next Sunday, we're going to have Bart and Michelle Bile with us. They are from, right now, Tbilisi, Georgia. Bart and Michelle were here only two years, many years ago. They were here with us for two, just two years. And then they were part of our church plant in Charlottetown. And then they had a calling to be somewhere in Europe in that area. And they moved to Tbilisi, Georgia. And while there, they joined an international church. And shortly after they're there, the pastor of the international church moved on. And they asked Bart, would he preach some? So Bart preached. And then they asked Bart, would you be the interim pastor while we find someone else? And Bart said, yes. So he, and after six to nine months, they're like, actually, we think you should be our pastor. And Bart's like, ah! <laughs> so Bart calls me and says, Joe, they want me to be the lead pastor. Can you help, you know, can you and your team, can you help us? And so for the last number of years, just video chat with Bart, how you doing, what's going on, talking things through, and Bart and Michelle are coming back next week, first time back in Canada in a long time. And Bart's going to speak here next Sunday morning. Because that's an Antioch church. Coming, going, equipping, sending, receiving. And folks, it's a joy, it's a privilege, it's an honor to receive and train, equip, be serve, and build friends with people from all around the world. But folks, it's a sacrifice. It's painful. It's sorrowful to say goodbye. We miss Gemma. We miss Rebecca. We miss Martin and Ann. We miss James and Liesel. I can go through, but look what God's doing with them in going to the nations. So in closing, folks, we as a church, we're God's handiwork. We're God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's already prepared in advance for us to walk out in, both locally and globally. And folks, it's hard. This morning, I gave you the sanitized version. I did. We've had broken relationships. We've had painful things. We've had people walk away. It's hard. hard. Sometimes it feels like we're being carved up. And guess what? Sometimes we're the carver and sometimes we're the receivee. 
And sometimes we're receiving the sandpaper and sometimes we become the sandpaper. And Mark said last week, we call them the deadly D's can get us disappointment in ourselves, in others, in leaders, in life, discouragement, depression, disillusionment, despair. We can feel defeated, which all leads to just, I want to give up. And God uses it. We get humbled. Folks, we've been humbled. We've had to grieve. We've had to mourn. We've had to learn. We've had to forgive. We've had to be forgiven. We come back to Jesus. We come back to his word. Come back to what the spirit of God is saying. That he saved us for purpose, for his glory, and to bring his kingdom and to build his church. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He does the heavy lifting. He restores. He redeems. He's always at work. I remember one of our lowest points. We were at an elders meeting, and Ben, who just shared this morning, got on the piano, as only Ben can do, and he just started singing. And he just started singing these words and he just went through the difficulties that we were in. And as he was singing, he was saying to God, are you at work even in this? And it was like his call and refrain, yes, in everything, I'm at work. God, can you be exalted in this? Yes, in everything, I can be exalted. So, folks, we've got to come back to God's Word. We need the Holy Spirit who enables, empowers, anoints. And we're seeing out of ashes come life, God's timing, God's perseverance. Folks, who so just say humbly, I believe we're called to be an Antioch base, and that's not a joke from a vision or an eldership vision. We'd just be really dumb to miss that what God's been saying for a long time. It's God's plan, not ours. And we believe we're coming into a new season, We've got a new building, it's post-COVID, and folks, we need some clarity on some of the things we've been talking about being in this in-between season. And we believe we're coming out of that in-between, but we still need some clarity on some things. And so we're praying and we're asking God for revelation, for wisdom in his leading. But here's what I do know, everyone's got a part to play. and to reach our neighbors, our networks, and the nations. So Angela kind of brought that, kind of said it in that interpretation of Nancy's prayer and praise. And I'll just leave it with this. It's this great tension, folks. It's not all about us, but it includes us. Can I say that again? It's not all about us but it includes us. And this morning, I'm just going to ask the worship team to come. The main thing we're just saying is it's our willingness to just be available. That's the most important thing. And all of us are on a different journey, different stage of that journey, of that process. Some of us, we haven't even met Jesus yet. We're learning. And we're on that end of things. We're learning about Jesus. We're learning about what it means for him to be a Savior and a Lord. What does that mean? 
And some of us have been Christians for a short time, some of us for a long time. But today, no matter where we are in that, it's just saying, God, I just make myself available to you. I want my life to count. In order for my life to count, it's got to be built on Jesus Christ. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Jesus said you can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. Store up for yourself riches in heaven, not here on earth. God, we want our lives to count. It can only count if it's about your purposes and your plans and your glory. So if you're able, let's stand.